when being nailed to the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. They're acting in ignorance. They're speaking in ignorance. They're hating in ignorance. They don't make any sense, and yet they make no sense vigorously. Earlier, he had chastised the religious leaders judging him. In Luke chapter 7, he said, John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and yet you say he has a demon. The son of man comes eating and drinking, and you say, well, he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. You just want to hate. You just want to be contrary no matter what, whether it makes any sense or not. But wisdom is proved right by all her children, he said. Matthew quotes it as, wisdom is proved right by her actions. There's what we do, there's what we feel, and there's God's wisdom, and his always trumps ours. But even in judging Jesus, even in calling him a friend of tax collectors and sinners, they're still ignorantly correct, weren't they? They meant it as a rebuke. Why, look at who he look at who he loves, look at the kind of people he hangs out with. And yet, Jesus was a friend to sinners. He was a friend to tax collectors. Even tax collectors like Zacchaeus, who once stood up and said, Look, Lord. Because even a tax collector saw that he was Lord. Even people who don't understand what they're saying, keep speaking truth about Jesus. Even the people who are trying to speak lies keep speaking truth about Jesus. Because no matter what you say, it doesn't change God's truth. God doesn't require us agreeing with him or us spouting anything for him to know his truth. And his truth will be made known. Think of what we saw at Palm Sunday. Great crowd had come for the feast of Passover, and they heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. So they took palm branches, and they went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel, quoting from Psalm 118, one of the songs that they would be singing that week during the Passover celebration, a song that also included the line, Yahweh is God. And he has made his light shine upon us. With branches in hand, join the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. So when they're quoting that, they know what they're saying. They're like, I'm, I'm all over this at Passover. I know what I'm saying. This psalm is all about the coming king. I know what I'm saying. And yet they had no idea what they were saying. Because that psalm also includes the line, I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. Yahweh has done this. People are waving their branches. They're excited about the king that they think they're looking at. Not so much later on on Friday they don't realize that they're waving branches and they're lauding a king that the psalm that they're quoting even says will be rejected. Because even then, back in Palm Sunday, when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things that Jesus did and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, to the Messiah, they were indignant. 
Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, said Jesus. Have you never read in Psalm 8 that from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise? They knew the truth. They had no idea about the truth. They knew what they were saying. They had no idea what they were saying. And yet God's wisdom, God's truth would always be proved right. Even in what they ignorantly said. The morning of Good Friday, the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. They knew that they were looking for lies. They were fine with looking for lies. They were fine with that. Who, who needs truth when you're right? Right? So they were fine with looking for lies, but they didn't find any. Though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and declared, this guy said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days, which is a lie. It's not what he said. And yet it's close enough to what he said that it still speaks truth. Yes, this temple, his body could be destroyed and he'd raise it back up in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Well, under oath, Jesus replied, Yes, it's as you said. You have no idea what you're talking about. And yet you still stumbled upon the truth. But I say to all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He's spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you've heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He's worthy of death, they answered. And they spit in his face and they struck him with their fists. And others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, Christ who hit you? They said it sarcastically. They said it spitefully. And yet, they called him the Christ. The official Jewish ruling council publicly called Jesus the Messiah, called him a prophet and did it in official capacity. And yet, they don't know what they're doing. We're told in Mark's Gospel, very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders and the teachers of the law and the whole Sanhedrin reached a decision. They bound Jesus and they led him away and handed him over to Pilate, the Roman governor. So are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. Yes, it's as you say, Jesus said. You have no idea what you're talking about, and yet you've stumbled onto truth. Now, it was the custom of Passover to release a prisoner whom the people requested. Now, there was a man called Barabbas who was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising, clearly not the sort of person who would ever be released at Passover. And the crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. 
knowing that it was out of envy that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to them. Matthew tells us that when the crowd gathered, Pilate asked them, in fact, do you want me to release to you Barabbas, the murderer, or the one, Jesus, the one who's called Christ? Trying to stack the deck, trying to force them to let him release Jesus. But back in Mark's gospel, the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the more and all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them and he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. He may have said it sarcastically. He may have said it to spite the Jewish leaders and yet Pilate called Jesus the king, called him the Messiah. The official Roman governor publicly called Jesus the king of the Jews and called him Christ, and he did it twice and declared him innocent in an official capacity. And yet, didn't know what they were doing. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. And they put a purple robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and sat it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Matthew tells us they put a staff in his right hand and knelt in front of him and mocked him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with the staff and they spit on him. And after they mocked him, they took off the purple robe and they put on his own clothes and then they led him out to crucify him. They said it sarcastically, maliciously. And yet they called him the king. The official Roman soldiers publicly called Jesus the king of the Jews and they crowned him royal scepter in his hand and they laid a royal robe over his shoulders and they knelt before him and they paid him homage and they did it in an official capacity and yet they didn't know what they were doing they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha which means the place of the skull and they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he didn't drink it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get, just like Psalm 22 had foretold. It was the third hour when they crucified him, nine o'clock in the morning. And the written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. In fact, we're told in John's gospel that Pilate had a notice and he had it written in Aramaic and he had it written in in Latin, and he had it written in Greek so that everybody could read it. And it said, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews, publicly identified the King of Israel by name. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right, one on his left. And those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their head and saying, so you who were going to destroy the temple and build it up in three days, come down from the cross, save yourself. 
In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him amongst themselves. Oh, he saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. They said it sarcastically, derisively. And yet they called him Christ. The official religious leaders publicly called Jesus the Messiah again. They called him the King of Israel. They publicly declared that he saved others. And they said it in an official capacity. And yet they didn't know what they were doing. Again, Matthew shares some interesting details. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, and they shake their heads, yes. They say, ah, you were going to rebuild the temple. Save yourself, yes. Come down from the cross if you really are the Son of God. In the same way the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him, oh, he saved others. He can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now, and we'll believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. They knew he called himself the true king of Israel. They knew he called himself the son of God. They knew that he'd saved others and they knew that he had trusted God. They knew all of that. And they knew none of it. They were certain that they knew what they were talking about and they knew nothing about what they were talking about didn't know what they were doing. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. Do you genuinely believe that they meant any of that? That if he had miraculously come down off the cross, that any of them would have believed any of that? Or would they have just attributed that to demons as well? Because who needs truth when you're already so certain? Hours later, when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit, committing his spirit to his loving Father, whom he knew he would accept it and bring him home. In that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The people were thrust into the very face, the very presence of the living God, the most terrifying thing that they could possibly contemplate. There is nothing between you and God. The earth shook, the rocks split, the tombs broke open, and bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. And they came out of the tombs, and after Jesus' resurrection, they went on to the holy city, and they appeared to many people because Christ cracked open the grave itself. He cracked open death, and people fell out. And when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that happened, they were terrified. And they exclaimed, surely this was the Son of God.
were confused. They were terrified. They probably meant he's like Hercules. And yet, they called him the Son of God. The official Roman soldiers publicly called Jesus the Son of God, serving in an official capacity and seeing how he died. And yet, they didn't know what they were doing. When Jesus was being nailed to the cross, when he was watching the soldiers cast lots to see which one of the ghouls would get to keep his clothing, including that garment that somebody loved him enough to weave so carefully. His mom, his friend, somebody loved him. As he was watching them, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Beloved, they still don't. The world still doesn't. And far too often, neither do we. If we truly believe that we're sculpted by God, and we truly believe that his wisdom is paramount, we truly believe his truth is truth, and we ever choose to do other than what he would call us to do, Beloved, you don't know what you're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Jesus loved us, even, even us murderers. He loved us so much that he loved us even while we were murdering him. He forgave us our sins even while we were sinning those sins. Is there anyone in this world that you can look at and say, but I write you off? I can't love you while you're sinning against me. I'm too busy trying to live like Christ. The truth of that was so powerful, was so profound, so pervasive that it squirted out even in the midst of everybody being spiteful and sarcastic and ignorant. It, it couldn't help but still come out over and over and over again because the truth is truth always and forever even if we're so often blind to it and the truth is everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved everyone we aren't born saved but everyone can be born again saved if only they call on Christ, if only they call on the one who can forgive their sins, if only they call on the one who can wash it all away. But so often we, we hold on to our sins, we take them to ourselves, and we try to hide them, or we try to embrace them, or we try to beat ourselves with them. But if people would just let him wash that away, changes you. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on the one they've not believed in? How, 
How can they believe in one that they've not heard? How can they hear without someone proclaiming to them? Someone. Someone. How can that someone preach unless they are sent? I mean, as it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, but they have to be sent. It's not just me. It's not just some missionary somewhere. It's not some professional evangelist. So I'm sending you. I'm sending you. If you know the Lord, if you are listening to the sound of my voice right now, I'm sending you. You're an ambassador. Come come to the cross. Be changed by the cross. Be washed clean at the cross. And then share what you know about the cross and what happened there. Share the good news. The world thinks it knows what it knows. But they have no great certainty if you do know if you know what you know if you're any different if you are don't ever let that make you cocky let that motivate you you know the truth and the truth can set not only you free but them amen Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for the great privilege it is to know you and to know your truth, to know the good news. What a hard Friday, but what a good Friday. Lord, thank you so much. And Lord, I pray, help us never hold the truth so dearly that we clutch it and never release it and never share it. Because then it just atrophies and festers and becomes something else. I pray, Lord, help us to come to the cross, to be washed clean, and to share that truth to all